From Orange County, California, you are listening to Taking Flight with Captain Michael Rocket Blackstone. That almost sounds like a fake name. Maybe Marvel's next superhero? Might want to check into that. This is a different type of aviation podcast that is not hosted by a tech geek know-it-all or communist sympathizing wacko, no. Lucky for you, I am your host. With over 30 years and 30,000 hours of flying high-performance aircraft all over the world, 21 years at a major airline, and with over 25 years in the extremely challenging flying business, I hope to become your personal coach to get you started in your career in aviation as a pilot and to help you identify and survive this industry's many pitfalls and booby traps along the way. This podcast is my personal commitment to helping you succeed in making your dreams of flying for a living or as a hobby come true. We're trying to avoid that happening to your career because that's got to hurt. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Taking Flight with Michael Rocket Blackstone. This is episode number two. And I'd like to thank everyone for coming back and joining me today. A little recap from our last episode, episode number one. That was our debut episode. It had a long history of my flying background. If you're interested in any of uh, my history, listen to episode one. But today's episode is all about Sky Thrills. It's a aerobatic training school. It's a business that I started when I was 26 years old, back in 2000 time frame, and uh this is going to be a, a little recap of what happened during that time period, how I got it started, and why I did, as well as what the outcome was after 20 years. So uh, here we go. Starting back in, in 1999, and shortly after I got hired at a major airline, I had this crazy idea that it would be fun to go back to my roots to an aerobatic flying school business like my dad had when I was growing up with a PITS. And for those of you that are not familiar with it, a PITS is an, a world-class aerobatic biplane. Um, it's a tail dragger and uh, one of the best aerobatic airplanes on the planet. And I researched and I found an, an aircraft. It was November 72 Charlie Golf. That was the original tail number of the aircraft. I had since re renamed it and uh, gave it another tail number, which was November 97 Sierra Charlie. And that aircraft uh, was with me for over 20 years. I recently sold it, and uh, you know, not not necessarily because of COVID. It just ended up being a, a lot of airplanes at that time. I had over. 12 aircraft, I believe, and uh, too many planes, and uh, we let that one go, unfortunately. But the aircraft was by far my favorite aircraft to fly for many, many years. I learned to fly in a pit, so I had a, a very warm spot in my heart for the tail dragger, for the biplane, for the fabric, for the ability to fly at open cockpit. The 260-horsepower, 1,200-pound machine was by far the, the best climbing airplane out of the airports that I flew out of, which were Fullerton, Long Beach, and uh, most recently out of Orange County, uh, SNA. It was an amazing machine. And 
for that reason, I chose it. And, and it was the, the most difficult airplane, uh, most likely, to fly out of all the aircraft that we've had over the years. But it was the most rewarding. And the reason is, is that it, it doesn't give you any help uh, in a way that a lot of aircraft do that actually make you feel more, uh, more confident and better than you actually are. And the pits doesn't allow you to get away with any of that. So what I love about the pits is, is it's just an extension of yourself. It makes you good when you're good and it makes you uh, pay for it when you're not doing as well. So it makes you hone your skills better than any other aircraft that I've ever flown. So I loved it from early on in my in my flying career as an eight-year-old all the way up to 15 years old when my dad sold his A model, which was November 414 Mike Bravo. I'll always remember the tail number. Uh, of that aircraft, and uh, I've always missed it. And at, at my first opportunity, I bought a Pitts. And the way I bought a Pitts is also interesting. You know, as a 25, 26-year-old man with uh, not a lot of credit at the time, no one helped me with the, uh, the financing. I, I applied for a loan myself and couldn't come up with the entire amount of the aircraft I remember I bought it from a guy on the East Coast. It was uh, Michael Mancuso, who uh, was the owner and operator of the Northern Lights uh, air show team on the East Coast. They flew extra 300s at the time. And he was a dealer for Pitts Aircraft on the East Coast out of Long Island, New York, in a place called Brookhaven. And I found this aircraft naturally. It couldn't have been farther away from me, uh, but I researched. That was the only one that was available. It had 70 hours on it. It was about 140,000 or so, and which was a significant discount from what they were selling for at the time, which was, I believe, around $200,000, $205,000. That sounds like a ton of money, and it was a lot of money in 2000 for, uh, for just a kid with uh, his first real job and uh, not a lot of credit to, to do this. So, I flew out there. They appreciated my enthusiasm for the aircraft. They saw a guy that just would love to have this aircraft and and share aviation with people. And they took the money that I had, uh, which was about, I believe, around 30,000 short. So uh, the the owner at the time, Michael Mancuso, talked to their lender and they were able to finance the remaining balance with them. And I made an additional payment to them for the remaining balance. And I made two payments on the pits for uh, the better part of a decade. And I did it. So the, the bottom line of the story is, is when you have a passion for aviation and when you have a will to make something happen, I found a way. And without any help at all, I, I was able to uh, secure an aircraft get the loan that I needed and push through, even though it was really hard financially for me for at least five years, um, I did it. And my dad always told me a little secret. He told me that uh, you don't have to chase the money. Don't chase the money, Mike. He told me, uh, do what you're good at and be the best at what you at what your, your craft is and the money will find you. So, uh, I took that, that, uh, that advice to heart and 
it worked out for me as I got better and better at flying the aircraft. I launched a, a website with my cousin helping me with the the back-end website design. We created all the little Arresti card uh, logos, and we were going to create a business called Sky Thrills with the Pitts S2C as our platform, and we were going to create this thrill ride business that was creating your own aerobatic thrill ride in a plane, and you get to choose all the maneuvers that you wanted to do, create an aerobatic sequence, hit the purchase button, and buy the most extreme thrill ride on the planet. And that was uh, a design idea that uh, my cousin, Ryan Markley, and myself created in his uh, one-bedroom apartment in Carlsbad, California, in at the dawn of, of, of the internet in 1999, early 2000 using the Pitts S2C as a platform. Fast forward 20 years, flew thousands of, of people in that aircraft. And during that time, uh, the primary goal of that aircraft was to do thrill rides. We took people up who've never been in an airplane before and put them on the controls and, and let them fly the whole mission. It wasn't uh, uh, hold on and watch this. It was, it was more of here's what you're going to do. And this is what my dad showed me to do. And this is how you learn to fly. And this is what makes it fun. And, and you feel that that's you, you're doing that. And then move the stick to the left and make it roll a little faster. Now we push a little harder on the stick. There you go. You see that the thing rolls at 300 degrees per second. If you use a little more deflection and a little more rudder in the direction of the roll, you'll get it to come out tighter and tighter and nicer and clean. And before you know it, a person who's never flown a plane before is hands-on in a world-class aerobatic biplane, working the rudders, moving the stick, and pulling Gs and going upside down and and really falling in love with aviation the way I did, which was one flight at a time, smooth and easy. It was never a, 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 uh, a business that we wanted to get people ill. It wasn't like, let me show you how to do this. It was, it was, let me show you why I'm so good at this. It was, let me share aviation with you. Let me make this fun for you. Because if you like the way it feels and you like the way it flies, you'll come back to aviation again. And either you'll come fly with me again, or you'll take a flying lesson, or you'll become a pilot. And Sky Thrills literally was the, the, the conduit for me to share aviation with people, much like I'm doing with you here now, but in the real airplane, high above the Pacific, 200 miles an hour with the air show smoke on, burning loops, rolls, hammerheads, which is uh, like a straight up pure vertical maneuver with a with a claw of a hammer at the top where you fall on your left side, straight back down the smoke trail and tighten up your stomach and pull five G's in the pull out and, and gray yourself out and go, wow, that is just amazing. And at the top of a loop, you look up and you see a blue whale sometimes, or a, a pod of 150 dolphins or so down below you. And what an epic and, and beautiful way to learn to fly. And that's what the basis of Sky Thrills was from a simple idea of, yeah, I'd like to to own an aviation business to, yeah, I'd like to share aviation with someone. And yeah, I'd like to create a, uh, a business around this concept of introducing people to aviation and add a video element to it. We put a camera system in it. We got the audio track. We got the video uh, angle, which was straight back at the time and one over the shoulder. And we could switch back and forth between the two cameras and get a pretty awesome representation of what that person was experiencing out there. So, so someone would get this as a gift 
And then they would fly it and then they'd be able to bring back this video and share it with those at home that didn't get to go that time and see what this aerobatic experience was all about. They can rave about how much fun it was and how they didn't get themselves sick and how they got to fly the whole time. And it, and it shatters that, that notion that people are afraid to fly or they're afraid they're going to get sick or they're all these things that they create in their mind of what's going to happen that normally doesn't. And uh, it, it breaks that mold. And that's what Sky Thrills was about. Another aspect that what Sky Thrills did was unusual attitude training for pilots. And I, I like to talk about this section a little bit because a lot of pilots in their flight training never get a chance to do any aerobatics. And I find that to be kind of odd. So as I learned to fly, it was always about aerobatics. And it wasn't just because the Pitts is a great aerobatic airplane and, you know, this is all this airplane does and this is what you should do. It's aerobatics is a key element to learning how airplanes fly and all of the different elements of flying. So it's not just turns to the left, turns to the right climbs and descents. And if you think of flying that way, you think, oh, okay, well, it's more like a car, but I can go up and down. But once you learn about aerobatics, you go, oh, wait a minute. There's way more to this than just turning and, and gentle climbs and descents. There's, there's a sport element to it, an extreme uh, maneuverability element to it, a freedom to it that, that regular flying doesn't give you. And there's a safety element to it too. So it makes you a safer pilot to learn aerobatics. And I, I don't want to make you feel that I feel that I'm better at flying, but I've been exposed to more unusual maneuvers. And, and aerobatics really makes you comfortable in an airplane when you can go sideways, go fly it on it. We call it a knife edge or invert it and fly it upside down and know that the aerodynamic forces still work in all aspects of an airplane's envelope, performance envelope. And most of the training that we do in uh, smaller planes, say Cessnas or Pipers, normal non-aerobatic aircraft or even in airliners, they never get to those extreme limits and to find out what the capability of the aircraft is because the plane isn't legal to do so. And if you never come and fly a Pitts or an Extra or a Citabri or a, an aerobatic aircraft at all, you never know what planes can and can't do. Uh, so I feel it's a safety uh, element that pilots should encourage themselves to look into. And as an aerobatic uh, pilot, I feel it, that it's much, much safer to do so. So we have a, a, a course that we teach. It's called Unusual Attitudes. And it teaches pilots who have no interest in really doing aerobatics how to recover from unusual attitudes and upsets, which is spins, uh, inadvertent uh, rolls, you know, to the inverted and then back out. But unusual attitudes is really just the beginnings of aerobatics. And, and if you can kind of incorporate aerobatics into your flying, you'll become a better and safer pilot so that when those unusual attitudes sneak into your life at some point, which they, they most likely will, you'll always have the skill set and the confidence to recover from it. And it makes you much safer. So, so we taught uh, thrill rides, unusual attitudes. Sky Thrills also dipped into tours and charters and sightseeing. So with tours, we ended up purchasing in 2006 a Waco YMF5 C model. 
And our Waco was November 569W whiskey. It was a beautiful, bright yellow uh, Waco. It's a, a factory built Waco, which they build in uh, Battle Creek, Michigan. It's handmade, just like the Pitts is built in Afton, Wyoming in a factory. And it's certified to do aerobatics and it's, and it's legal to do that. The, uh, the Waco is similar and it also is aerobatic. And it was uh, biplane, open cockpit, radial engine, 275 horsepower, Jacobs, a real beautiful machine that really took you back to the vintage 1930s. Uh, this airplane represented a replica of a 1935 biplane design, which in my mind is the most beautiful biplane design ever made. A little bias, I, I think it's gorgeous with that that cowling that covers the engine with the 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 bubbles in the in the cowling that that make room for the valve covers. Just a gorgeous machine. It had a a polished Hartzell two bladed prop with the the counterweighted uh, uh, weights on it to make it so it would it would be able to control the propeller as a constant speed propeller, which is beautiful and unusual on those type of airplanes. Anyway, the uh, the Waco was added to our fleet, and it became a sightseeing machine. And we put two air, air, two people in the front seat of the the biplane. You could sit with uh, uh, like the, like the person on the right would sit side by side in the front seat, and then on the bench seat, uh, the person would sit on the left, and they would be like a very romantic open cockpit biplane experience. And the reason why we added it, we just wanted to have something a little less extreme. For those who wanted to see the coastal tour, they didn't want to go upside down. They just wanted to experience open cockpit biplane flying vintage style. And we put a camera in that as well. And people were able to do a romantic sunset flight and uh, do a, a, a biplane ride with, with a modern airplane that feels like an old one. What we love about the new the new biplanes, what I always loved about the new biplanes was it gives you that look and feel of the old one, but it has all the support and, um, and, and, uh, parts to, to take care of a plane that looks like an old one, but it actually is a new airplane. Ours was a 1996 and I purchased it from the factory, uh, at the Battle Creek facility. It's, it's called Centennial Aircraft and, uh, you can look them up online for the Waco aircraft, and, and ours was an expensive uh, used airplane. Even used, it was it was two hundred twenty five thousand dollars, and it was gorgeous. It was it had a mid time engine on it, and we flew that airplane from two thousand six to twenty, uh, well, just till last year, like twenty nineteen, and we recently sold it. So so the the Waco is is that beautiful open cockpit biplane that can do that that tour and sightseeing operation two people at a time we liked it because it was just a little less aggressive than the pits it would also do aerobatics it was certified as an aerobatic airplane so we put parachutes on and everybody would be able to go up and do loops and rolls with three people and and get a chance to experience an open cockpit airplane uh, with some light aerobatics as well so we really loved the waco and the financing on that airplane worked out like this we ended up Basically, I, I think I got a second on the home, on my home, second mortgage on my home at that time in 2006, and financed it, and uh, was able to acquire another beautiful airplane and made payments on it for quite a few years, and uh, recently paid it off. I believe in like 20. 
13 or something like that. So uh, it paid for itself. It it made money and, and it really shared the magic of vintage uh, biplane flying in an open cockpit airplane. So, so that was that. And then in 2014, Sky Thrills ended up purchasing a 1957 vintage Beach E18S. And what this Beach 18 is or was is a eight passenger, eight seat, which is two pilots in the front. You could fly it single pilot, but uh, two pilots are up front, six in the back. I got some pictures of this thing. I'll post them uh, in a place where you could find them either on our uh, Instagram again or uh, on another website for the, for, for the podcast. But this Beach E18S uh, was a, most likely the most beautiful Beach 18 flying today. Uh, I purchased it from, uh, it was from West Palm Beach and I got it at a dealer there. It was a, a broker that was selling it. And this is a beautiful, beautiful uh, rendition of a Beach 18. There's so few of them flying uh, in the world today that the prices of them vary from everything from barely flyable at you know, nearly free. If someone gave you a, a, you know, one that hasn't flown in 25, 30 years, free is probably uh, not, not too far off, but it'll cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to get it flying again. So the way to do a, a vintage airplane is to search for one that's in as great a condition as you could find and get one that's ready. Get one that's, that's already doing what you want it to do, looks the way you want it to look. This Beach 18 that we bought, uh, perfect paint, uh, beautiful interior. It had burl wood and, and leather. And uh, we brought it to Part 135 uh, standards, which was all new oil hoses and replaced anything and everything that uh, has a time limit on it needed to be changed out. So this was most likely the most valuable Beach 18 on uh, on Earth, or one of them at this point. And it's a tricycle gear one, which is kind of unusual. Now, me being a tail dragger guy, I love tailwheel, and I was really looking for a Beach 18 that had a tailwheel. This one had been converted, I believe, in the early 60s, and our Beach 18 had the uh, the Pratt & Whitney 450s, the, uh, the two-bladed Hartzell propellers, and those those engines had been overhauled at a at a shop called Covington with uh, the propellers that were overhauled at, at Johnson Aircraft. A beautiful engine and prop combo, and a perfect airframe. We really enjoyed owning that airplane. I flew it all over the place. It ended up going out to Catalina a lot of times uh, with friends and family. It flew one charter mission up to Napa. My dad and I on on our last flight together in the Beach 18 uh, packaged that thing up or packed it up, I should say. And he and I and six passengers in the back took a, a really awesome family up there for the lady's birthday, a surprise birthday, up to Napa. We flew up the coast, VFR, which is visual, visual flight rules, all the way up the coast at, I think it was a thousand feet all the way, uh, and followed the coastline. We saw Pismo Beach, uh, we saw, which is a uh, like beautiful dunes over by the coast north of Los Angeles. We flew past the uh, Hearst Castle. We flew right past Half Moon Bay and swooped around the peninsula up in uh, Northern California over the Golden Gate Bridge and uh, spent a couple days in Napa with my dad. 
waiting for uh, our passengers to enjoy a beautiful weekend. Of course, we did the same. And on Sunday afternoon, we took off and flew the same route home down the coast and ended up back in uh, back in Fullerton that evening before sunset. An epic uh, adventure owning these airplanes. So when I think about owning a, a company like Sky Thrills, I say to myself, you know, would I do that again? Absolutely. You know, it changed my life for the better. It gave me a great opportunity to share aviation with people in the pits and the biplane. If you love aviation, you love aerobatics, you're an aerobatic pilot, get into it. Get a two-seat certified aerobatic plane. I can show you how to do it. I can talk, talk you through how to set up the camera platform and set up a website. If you're interested in Sky Thrills or you want to save a step in the branding, I could, you know, franchise or, or whatever way you find to be useful, uh, a way to, to, to piggyback off of my work, my brand, and maybe we could put a Sky Thrills in your part of the world and I'll show you how to do it and make it nice and easy for you so it's not, not as difficult or challenges, challenging as, as it was for me. But in today's world, it's doable. And you could buy that plane, do some rides, make the payments, earn some money, and share some aviation. I, I really don't see a downside in, in starting off small with like one airplane like a Pitts or an extra 300 or a Citabria and teaching aerobatics and teaching unusual attitudes and uh, make a few dollars to help offset the cost of that. If you want to take it up a notch and or skip some of the heavier aerobatics and maybe go into something lighter, the Waco YMF-5 is great. Peter Bowers up at Centennial Aircraft in at the Waco factory um, in Michigan is a great resource for the Waco. You can look them up or search for something different. And what we did with the charter business and Catalina was kind of a specialty item. I think it added a, a really nice well-roundedness to Sky Thrills that gave it a, the ability to earn some revenue by something that is not aerobatic and a little bit more inviting for larger groups um, that want to just travel. And I'm a fan of the charter business as well. It's 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 a way to own an aircraft and offset its cost. So so I wouldn't go into it thinking, oh my God, I'm going to go in here and make a million dollars. So you're going to go in there and you're going to do what you love and the money will find you. So with that in mind, uh, keep on flying and... I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sky Thrills, and we'll see you next time. You are listening to Taking Flight with Michael Rocket Blackstone. That was episode two. I hope you enjoyed it. Taking a, a walk down memory lane there with uh, Sky Thrills the last 20 years. Uh, it's been an awesome ride so far, uh, flying the Pitts S2C, flying the Waco out of Fullerton, California, and then Long Beach, then over at uh, Orange County Airport, SNA. Uh, if you guys have any questions for me directly, you can email me at takingflightwithrocket at gmail.com. That's takingflightwithrocket, R-O-C-K-E-T, at gmail.com. It's been my pleasure having you guys with me today on our next episode. Uh, episode three, we'll be breaking it down uh, one aircraft at a time, the aircraft that I've purchased and flown and have thousands of hours in. Uh, I'll be happy to give you that rundown, starting with the Pitts S2C. We'll be talking to you soon, as my dad would say. Keep on flying, and we'll see you next time.